we are starting a new series. I love kicking off new series here. So, so how many of you watch the American Idol finale? Okay. Any watch the American Idol finale? Okay. There we go. Well, I, won't, I, I won't spoil it for you. Okay, turn okay. Sorry. <laughs> So, he did. I, I didn't watch it at all. Like, honestly, I've never really been a big American Idol fan. I'll be honest with you on that. Even back with, with the, the early days. Except for one contestant. This guy. He, William Hung was my single favorite American Idol contestant. He was awesome. In fact, in fact I enjoyed him so much, I kid you not. I actually saw him live at the Brookdale Mall. And yes, in case you're wondering, he is as gloriously bad in person as he was on the show. It was absolutely wonderful. So, so it was thrilled to see that he actually made an appearance on the on the finale and, and all of his wish. I know it's just horrible. It like it just captured all of your worst nightmare Asian stereotypes like into one guy. I think part of why I resonate so much with William Hung is because that's pretty much what I would be if I ever tried to try out for American Idol. I would be the white William Hung, basically. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's, it'd be pretty bad. Well, the show is over, um, but it doesn't really mean that idols are done with. I believe idols actually are alive and well here in American culture. And I think it's pretty alive and well in Hmong culture as well. And so they're out there, they're in here, they're in our lives. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I think that's important for us to do. So we're going to talk, we're going to kick off a new series here. We've got six weeks that I'm calling it Mom American Idols, Facing the Counterfeit Gods in Our Cultures. And during this series, we're going to, we're going to look at five idols that I think are alive and well in American culture and Mormon culture. So, so next week, we're going to kick off with the top American idol, which is me, American individualism. The week after, we're going to talk about the top Hmong idol, which is saving face. And then we're going to talk about three items that I think both of our cultures share really well, and that's money, sex, and power. I think both of our cultures really look up to those things. So we're going to talk about them, because I think these idols, they get, they get into our lives, they get under our skin, sometimes without us even knowing it. So we're going to talk about it. See, because these are all cultural values that every culture has idols in them. And these are things that, that we can tend to center our lives around. They become so important in our lives. We strive for them. We push for them. So, and, and they're dangerous. The Bible is very clear about that. And we'll talk a little bit about that, that in a few more minutes. But they're very dangerous. And so, so I want to start off with two questions. I think any discussion of idols has to start off with two questions. What is an idol today? Come on, what is an idol today? My guess is that you probably don't have little statues in your house. Now, maybe, maybe in the fall place you go to, they've got, they've got a little altar with some statues, but, but chances are you probably don't have little statues in your house. So really, what is an idol today? And then, I think more importantly, how do you know if you've turn something into an idol? How do you know if you're worshiping an idol? I think we have to start with those questions. And we're going to begin with those questions by telling you a little story about a Christmas present that I got. What are the better Christmas presents I got for my nephews? This was a number of years ago. I, I bought a foosball table for my nephews. 
And it wasn't like one of the really expensive, but you know, it was like one of the cheap ones. You can, you can find like at Target or Marshalls, things like that. But it was still a football table. So, so they opened it up on Christmas morning. They loved it. Crazy loved it. We started playing foosball immediately. And we did, with the exception of food and bathroom breaks, we pretty much played foosball all Christmas day. It was crazy. We would just rotate teams. Foosball, foosball, foosball. Okay? And finally we went to bed. And it, it, it had been a long day. Up early and all of that. And I, I remember we were sitting in bed and falling asleep. And, and all of a sudden, I started doing this. Symbolizes. 
get where I'm going there? Okay. So here's another one. So those are a couple of Babylonian gods of kind of think the Middle East. That's the region, the Fertile Crescent, if we go back to our sixth grade world history class. Um, now let's go down to, over to Egypt. The chief god of Egypt was the god Ra. He was the sun god. Right? And he was often pictured with an eagle's head or often with this sun above his head. So there's Ra, the sun god. Now, one thing you'll notice about all of these gods, they all had statues. They all had carvings or statues along with them. In fact, every god had a statue that went along with it. Because religion back then, there were a few characters. One, all the religions back then were polytheistic. There was no such thing as a monotheistic religion back in early Old Testament times. It didn't exist. Every religion was polytheistic. Also, the religions were very, the gods were very real. They actually lived in the temples that they built. That's why it was really important to build temples on the best land, the highest land, because the gods physically lived there. And all the gods had statues. All the gods had statues. Uh, and worshiping was about appeasing the god. So, so that's a little bit about worship, but that gives you a little bit of context to what Moses, what God told Moses when it came to idols. Okay. So remember, these were all around. It was the norm that temples had idols. That's what you worshipped. Okay. And so what was interesting was back then, it was really obvious if an Israelite, who was one of God's chosen people, if an Israelite was out worshiping Baal. It's really obvious because they're at the temple of Baal offering food, animals, bowing. So it's pretty obvious. It's a little less obvious now. It's a little less obvious if you find that if, if you might be worshiping an idol in your life. So that's why we go back to that question of what is an idol? What is an idol for you, for us? Because it's a little different than what it was an idol for the ancient Israelites 4,000 years ago. And so, and then we come back to the fundamental question is, how do we know when we're worshiping one? An Israelite knew very clearly when they were worshiping an idol. It's a little harder for us. So how do we know? Well, to answer that question, we're going to look at probably the most famous passage, the most significant passage about idols. In fact, it's one of the most significant passages, most important passages in the entire Bible. And if that's not enough to convince you of its importance, it is part of the single most important moral code in the history of the world. And that's the Ten Commandments. Even non-Christian historians will acknowledge that the Ten Commandments has been the single most influential moral code in the entire history of humanity. And we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at the most important code in the most important list of codes. The very first one. So, so if you're getting the idea, this is a big deal. Okay? This is a big deal how God starts his law. Because God, God wanted to take a group, the Israelites, who were a slave race at the time. And they wanted to transform the Israelites from a slave race into a holy people of God. 
And to do that, he gave them the law. And it was a blessing to them because it told them how to live in relationship with God. And the very first law of the very first page in the very first chapter was what we might know as the first commandment. It's out of Exodus 20, and it's up on the screen. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord, Yahweh. And I, I'll pause and I want to use that word, Yahweh, because that is the name that God I gave himself to the Israelites. Because Baal was God. In fact, Baal even means Lord. So to simply say God isn't quite good enough. And that's why, particularly in this context, I'm going to use the word Yahweh, which is the specific name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Old Testament, the God from whom Jesus Christ came and returned to. So that God, that is Yahweh God. So that's God's name. Okay? So, we'll go back to this. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And there is our first answer to how do we know something is an idol. There's our first answer. That an idol is anything we put ahead of God. Anything we put ahead of God. God clearly instructed, you shall put no other gods before me. So, that, so there's our first answer. Yeah? That what is an idol? It's anything you put ahead of God. Now, for them, it was any God you put ahead of God. You put Baal ahead of God. You put Ashtoreth ahead of God, of Yahweh God. That is what God is prohibiting. Okay? So for them, God continued. He continued. He gave, gave a little more elaboration. Here it is. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down and worship them. Now this is really important because, because God fundamentally wanted to create His people to be different than the world around them. That is a fundamental premise of being a God follower. And that applies just as well to us today. That we need to be different than the world around us. So for them, God said, okay, all these other religions who build these gold statues or carve these things out of stone, I don't, want, I don't want you to do that for me. There will be no Yahweh statues. There will be no Yahweh gold carvings. That is not how you should worship God. That's how everyone else worships God. For you, you do it differently. That's important. So God set that forth. Okay? So, so what for, again, their idols were pretty obvious not to put anything ahead of God. But what about our idols? What kind of things might we put ahead of God? Well, here's just a few examples. Money, status, beauty, family, reputation, career, success. Any of those are things we can put ahead of God. And in fact, the next five weeks, we're going to talk about five different things that our cultures 
American and Mormon culture drive us to put ahead of God. And so, so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on this yet. Come back for the next five weeks or pick one that you think you're most susceptible to. Come on back for that week. Okay? But see, there's a problem with this definition. Of the, this definition of in, an idol is anything that you put ahead of God. There, there's a problem with it. Okay? How do we know we've put something ahead of God? Really? I mean, how do we know? Our, our hearts are great liars to us. If you don't know that yet, your heart is a great liar to you. Your, your mind is a master at rationalizing things away. <laughs> so it's really easy for us to say, well, I didn't really put, I don't really put that ahead of God. So that's kind of tough. For the Israelites, it's easy. For us, it was tough. So I think we need to go a little deeper. I think we need to expand this a little bit more. So I want to go to the second most famous passage in the Bible about idols. So we covered the first one. I want to talk about the second one. And this happened actually just a few weeks after. Actually, it was about a month and a half after what we, God first told Moses, the Ten Commandments. Um, so, so what happens here, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of summary. So this happened, this began just a couple weeks after. Here it is. So we started with Exodus 24. So that was Exodus 20 we just read. And God, God first told Moses the Ten Commandments. So now we jump forward a few verses. Exodus 24, uh, Moses goes back up this mountain where he, he's meeting with God. And he stays up there for 40 days. And so again, just a couple weeks after, Moses goes back up to this mountain and stays up there for 40 days. Exodus 25 through 31 describes some laws that God gives Moses. More laws, particularly about their temple, about their tabernacle, things like that. And then Exodus 32, the people get so panicked they convince the priest to build a golden idol. Hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden, wait, what just happened? This is like a month and a half. This is barely not even two months from when God said, you should never have a God before me and you should never create an idol. And the people are creating an idol. Like, seriously? What in the world happened? Well, I think the, the clue in that is actually in the very first verse. Okay? And so we're going to look at the first verse of chapter 32. And so let's read this. It says, when people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, who was the high priest, and said, Come, make us gods, notice the plural, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Did you catch it? Did you catch the reason why they were so quick to build a golden idol? Did you hear? Okay, if not, let, let's go back and I'll kind of, I'll exaggerate verse 1 a little bit. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming out from the mountain, <laughs> you get it? They were, they were getting worried. Moses had been gone for so long, they started panicking. They started taking things into their own hands. And that gives us the second definition of what is an idol. An idol is what you turn to when you feel God hasn't come through. Mm. An idol is what you turn to when you feel God hasn't come through. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what the people were feeling. 
This new God of ours is failing us. This new leader of ours is failing us. We gotta take it into our hands. Let's create a God. And, and they gathered up all of the gold jewelry, everybody's jewelry, they melted it down, they made this golden calf. And they began worshiping it. Less than two months from when God first told them, don't do that. Because they felt God wasn't coming through. They felt God was failing them. And you know, probably the best way to find the idols in your life is to ask yourself, what do you turn to when you feel that God isn't coming through? Mm. What do you turn to when you feel like God's failed you? Mm. What do you do when you feel God is distant? And I think that's a really helpful definition of what an idol is for us. Because we take things into our own hands all the time. And so did they. That's the nature of us, the nature of humanity, is we take control of things. The Israelites did it. Moses is taking too long. God has abandoned us. We need to take things into our own hands. And an idol is the thing that you turn to when you feel God isn't coming through. So it raises the question, what do you turn to? What do I turn to? What do you turn to when you think God is taking too long? What do you turn to when you feel God is absent or he is distant? You see, today idols are sneaky. Idols are really sneaky. They start as something good. They start as something really good. Like a career. Love. A family. A home. These all start as good things. But over time, we begin to distort them. And these things that are good become not so good anymore. They become distorted, they become twisted, and we begin to feel like we can't live our lives without them. And it's because we believe these other things will be the things to give us significance, security, safety, fulfillment. Because we feel that God isn't giving you the significance you need. Turn to something else. If God isn't giving you the security you feel you need, you turn to something else. And what happens is it becomes something we must have. And it drives us, it even drives us to break rules we once honored. That's a good sign you've got an idol in your life. It drives us to break rules we once held firm. It even causes us this compulsion, this need to have it even drives us to hurt ourselves and hurt our family, our friends, make some really bad decisions that cause pain or cause trouble in your family with the police department, with your spouse. And so the goal, my goal today isn't for you to get rid of your idols. That's way too much for, 
30 minutes on Sunday. I just want you to face up. For today, I just want you to see them and acknowledge what they might be. So to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out with two ways to do that. Okay, so the first is I kind of brainstormed on things that we could turn into items. What are some things that we turn into items? And so I put together a list. Here's a gigantic list of them. Here are some common ones. Family, children, career, money, praise, status, achievement, reputation, education, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a social cause, beauty, success, approval, comfort, food, even ministry. Any one of those can be an idol. And I'm willing to bet, if we're really honest with ourselves, everyone in this room's got something up on that list. Something that we turn to when we feel like God isn't coming through for us. We turn to something. And so, that's the first thing I'm going to do to help you just identify it. Now, the second, I'm actually going to leave this list up here. And the second thing that I want to do is I want to ask you some questions. And these are sort of self-diagnostic questions. In case maybe that question of what do you turn to when God isn't coming through, maybe you're not sure. You're like, oh, I don't know what I turn to. Like, what does it really mean for God not to come through for me? All of that, okay? So I got 10 questions for you here. And I'm going to ask these 10 questions. Leave this list up on the screen here. And I'm going to see, I'm going to let you guys take a chance and see if any of this resonates with you. What are you most afraid of losing? What are you most afraid of losing? Where do you run for comfort? Where do you run for comfort? How about what gets you really angry? What gets you furious? Chances are there's an idol behind that. How about what do you make the biggest sacrifices for? What do, you, what do you sacrifice other things for? See, you didn't think we made sacrifices to idols nowadays? Yeah, we do. We regularly sacrifice our spouse, our integrity. We regularly sacrifice for idols these days. What else? How about whose approval do you really want? Whose approval do you really want? Yes, sir, there's an idol behind that. Okay? How about what do you complain the most about? <laughs> what do you complain the most about? Chances are really good. It might not be the thing you're complaining about, but there's, there's an idol underneath that. Okay? How about what do you want to have more than anything else? Is it a good job or a good paycheck? Yeah, you might have an idol in there. What do you want to have more than anything else? For you single folks, it might be as simple as a boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, we got plenty of BFs and GFs who have been turned into idols. Don't worry, married couples, you can turn your spouse into an idol as well. Or, more likely, turn your kids into idols. Okay, what else? Uh, a ninth question here. What would you have a hard time giving up for a month? What would you have a hard 
giving up for a month. <laughs> Chances are it's something you're worshiping. Chances are it's an idol in your life. And then lastly, what do you talk about too much? And if you're not sure, just ask your friends. <laughs> what do you talk about too much? Chances are there's going to be an idol in there somewhere. You might have to do a little digging, but there's going to be an idol in there. And I'll post up this list up on our Facebook page as well. You can follow along. Um, we'll grab that. Or if you're not on Facebook, just message us. I'll send it to you. Okay? So we all have times where we feel God hasn't come through. We all have times where we feel God disappointed us. And we turn to something else. We turn to an idol. And we need to know the single most important prohibition God gave about how to live in relationship with Him is you shall have no other God before me. You shall have no idol in place before me. So that kind of gives the gravity of this. That tells you how serious this is. Even if the idol seems inconsequential, the impact that it has on your faith and on relationship with God is not inconsequential. And remember, I, and, and so I want to close with one more reminder. Remember, all of these idols started as good things. And that's why we have something different than they did, the Israelites did back then. That whole list up there, all of those could be God-given things, blessings from God used to build His kingdom. So I, I don't want to say that any one of those things is bad, but we turn idols into something that's very destructive. When we turn to something else, because we feel like God hasn't come through. So what do you turn to? This series has to start with this answer. What do you turn to? So hopefully, over the course of today, maybe you know it right now. Or maybe you're going to sit with this, and God's going to kind of drop a ton of bricks on you in bed tonight. Say, here's your idol. You need to do something about this. You need to get rid of this. You need to, you need to break apart this idol like they did back in the Old Testament and worship me first and foremost. And return this distorted thing into a God-given thing, not into a God. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, I thank you for the, um, the warning you have given us against making idols in our lives. Lord, you are looking out for us. Because you know the destruction that they bring. Lord, so I stand here in front of River Life Church and be on behalf of River Life Church. Lord, I confess our idols. For each one of for each one of us, Lord, we have and we have in our lives. I've got them in my lives, Lord. So, so I confess them, Lord. And I begin a time now that begins now and ends when you are done with us. A time of admitting our idols. God, I pray that every person here can know you. Know you personally and know you um, deeply. 
And I pray that, that for those who know you, that they put nothing else above you. That none of us put another God, another thing ahead of you. So speak to us, Lord. Open our eyes to see the idols in our lives. So that we can turn, put you, the one true God, in your rightful place. The highest, most throne in our lives. So thank you, Lord. I, I lift this, this congregation up. I lift our prayers up in your name. Amen.